Did you know a turkey puppet once ran for the presidency of Ireland? Did you know that meat once rained from the skies of Kentucky? Did you know that there was an emperor of the United States for a while? Then listen to the Wiki Ship Down podcast. We live in an age when the sum total of humanity's knowledge can be found in your pocket on a smartphone at any given time. But when that knowledge is peer editable, like it is on Wikipedia, what does that say about mankind? So follow us down the digital rabbit hole as we drink, joke, and curse our way through the random button on Wikipedia and see where our journey through humanity's knowledge takes us. While you're at it, follow us on all social media at Wikiship Down. I'm Ruthann. I'm Ryan. And be sure to find us every Wednesday on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, guys, we're rolling, and I'm going to count us down. Oh. Yeah? Scary. Three. It's always frightening. Two. I was asleep half an hour ago. You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's start the show. Hey, guys, welcome back to Missing Out. I'm Tari J. I'm Lex Michael. And we're joined by a special guest, Mary Rachel Gardner. Mary Rachel Gardner joining us today. She is here, and we're going to say yay. Mary Rachel Gardner. Stop spitting fire. Mary Rachel Gardner. Mary Rachel Gardner. Anyway, hello. Hi. Um, Can that be my personal alarm clock, like, every day? It can, yeah. I'll just send you the audio file, and you'll be able to just put that on your phone. the best way Mm -hmm. to start the day. Good. I'm glad. Um, (laughs) Guys, we're offering a new service. Uh, We are enabling you to have custom alarm clocks specially made by Missing Out. So if you would like this, uh, please write us at missingoutpodcast at gmail.com. Give us your name, and we'll just start yelling things out. Uh, Or just... Grab a, a clip of what we just did and, yeah. and leave us alone. Yeah. Um, and you'll yeah. have a little bit of Mary Rachel in your day. Ah, I mean, great. how can you not like that? Mm-hmm. Um, another way they could get a little bit of Mary Rachel in their day is if uh, through social media, maybe. Oh, yes. Uh, do you have social media things? The socials, all of them, I guess. The most important ones. Yeah, I'm on Instagram, Twitter. Th- those are important ones. Facebook. Yeah. I don't really know how to weigh them anymore, but yes, uh, Instagram at Mary Rachel thirteen. Twitter is my nickname May Ray M A Y R A Y thirteen thirty one. Nice. And then I'm on the Facebook, Mary Rachel Gardner. You'll find me. Dope. The Facebook. Okay. The Facebook. Cool. Cool. Um, where uh, can people find you, Lex? Don't where uh, you, I'm right here. I'm right in front of you. Oh, okay. Cool. You know where I am. You can find Lex right here on this yep. podcast. He's trapped in here. I only exist in the in the podcast. I yeah. was I was uh, shot on the battlefield, and they had to jack me into the podcast mm-hmm. so that we could podcast through the the, the Kessel Run. I don't know. Yep. That, exactly. That, that, was that it. all of all of those things are facts that's and what, true. That's what that movie was about. Right? Um, yes, indeed. All right. So uh, uh, at the Lex Michael all over <laughs> social media. <laughs> um, and you can find me at Tari J. That's T-E-U-R-I-J-A-Y. And you can also follow this podcast at Missing Outcast. That's M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. Um, and we're available all over the major uh, major podcast platforms. That is iTunes, Google Play Store. Stitcher, uh, Anchor, and Out uh, Overcast. That's what it's called. Overcast. Not Outcast. That's us. <laughs> um, so, uh, Mary Rachel, 
You brought in the topic of traveling abroad. Sidebar, real quick. Mm-hmm. Yes. I promised y'all that we were going to start talking about things other than media. Did I not? I've been saying for a long time I wanted to open up uh, our floor to not just experiences with with movies, with TV, with with books, with comics, with anime, with spoken word and poetry and all, I don't know, sculpture, whatever, uh, porn one day. You brought up porn once and I was like, I don't know about this. Uh, but but I, I've been saying for a long time, I wanted to also talk about experiences, like going, going out and interacting with various parts of the world. And now I'm making it, I'm making it happen. Yes. Because when I tell you guys that we're going to do something, there's at least a 3% chance we'll do it. Hell yeah. I'm we're at 3%. Yeah. Yes. The start of the 3%. Congrat- congratulations. How does it feel? <laughs> oh, it feels glorious. Um, all right. So, uh, Mary Rachel, you and I have known each other for how, five, how many years? Several years Several. Now. It's a, almost, as l- almost. Long as I've been out of school. Almost five? Because almost five? That zombie play we did was when I was fresh out of college. Yeah, we, we met... Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to openly throw shade at people who who are out there in the ether having their own adventures. But we we <laughs> met uh, during a particularly harrowing theatrical experience where we were rehearsing a play mm-hmm. uh, at a location which will not be named out of uh, out of respect uh, for the dead. The, the names will be changed out of respect for the living. The rest will be told exactly as it occurred. Uh, we were in the, part of this rehearsal process and the script was not particularly good, but it was a fun thing that we could, we could kind of just jump into and just play around. Creatively. And there were zombies and, and there it, were zombies. I mean, come on, you yeah. can't go wrong with zombies. So we get most of the way through the rehearsal process and our director quits the show uh, because she was in a relationship with the person running the theater and that huh. that's oh, yeah. split. And so she went away, at which point almost the entire cast went away with her. And Mary Rachel and I stuck it out because I don't know where your head was at, but my head basically went, you know what, what else am I going to do? I want to see how this plays out. This could be potentially interesting, maybe. A whole new cast shows up. We basically start the entire rehearsal process over from the beginning with a new director. Uh, we, we actually, I feel like the second cast, maybe it's just because they were the ones we actually opened with, but I feel like we all kind of cohered a little bit better. We uh, worked together to reshape the script a little mm-hmm. bit into something we were more excited about. We worked out uh, additional cues. Uh, we opened and we had one show. <laughs> and then our second director quits oh, because geez. she felt the person who ran the theater space was being, uh, let's say, uh, creepy. He was harassing her. Let's say, okay. yeah. Uh, she quit without telling anybody, took all of the props and the cue list. So we showed up to do a show that night having no clue that this was the case. Discovered pretty quickly there was no way we could do the show as rehearsed. Right. And then basically the entire thing blew up and the entire cast, including finally the two of us just walked away at the same time because there was no, there was no way, there was just no way to make this thing hold together. We got so close. It held together for one beautiful night and then evaporated. Yeah. Aww. I didn't feel right shooting people with my fingers. It just, it, oh, those prop guns were so great. There was a line past uh. which, right? Because there's a, there's a line past which even the the relatively silly tone of the show would not have supported, you know, like really blatantly shitty space work, for example. Right. It just would have been very, dis- far more distracting than it could have been under Maybe. the circumstances. Did you guys ever think of changing 
guns and having everyone just be tele telekinetics. So they just keep going, boom, and then people's heads explode. That, oh, you know what? In hindsight, that actually would have been really good. Why weren't you there? Where yeah, were you? Where were you you should have invited time? me. Shoot. That's all. But seriously, if we had just done like almost like the, the like Iron Man repulsor cannon hand motion. Yeah. And then even if we go shoom, like with our with our mouths, we just have the other person throw themselves back a little bit. Yeah. That would have been a great show. Uh, maybe if we bring that play back. We'll yeah, add, we'll, we'll add that it. in. We'll do it. But I will never forget, though, that Lex, yeah, we, we were the ones that just persevered, I think. We were willing to stick through it, even though it was a disaster. And then walking off together was, it was pretty badass. It's like, it how, awesome. you know, you know how like the guys that came back from Vietnam were bonded for life? Yeah. Same, same basic principle. Ah. <laughs> Cool. Uh, so, but so uh, we escaped in like insane asylum. <laughs> run, run for your lives. We're both still in intensive therapy. Yeah. Uh, so, but but okay. So that's that's how we met. Uh, you yourself are uh, a multi 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 hyphen. there are a lot of hyphens, I lost count of the hyphens at a certain point. Uh, can you before we jump into uh, our our main topic? I just want to right up top give people an idea of what you do broadly speaking, and then later on we can talk specifically about some of the stuff you're working on. Okay, yeah. I mean, I'm an entertainer, a filmmaker. I went to USC. I studied acting. I produce, direct a little bit. I also started this showcase now, where I'm kind of giving back to the arts and helping promote and support other independent. Specifically, actually, independent artists, filmmakers of all kinds. See, that sounds nice. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So uh, I, I've been uh, talking to you for a little while about bringing you on to this show. Uh, when I pitched you the concept, you said you wanted to talk about traveling abroad, which, as I mentioned earlier, really excited me because I've been looking to open up our floor to broader uh, topics. So I guess right up top. Why? Why is that the thing? Why, why, when I said something that has really impacted you, is really meaningful to you, and obviously I think people understand conceptually that travel can be a very transformative thing, but mm -hmm. for you specifically, uh, in, in a sentence or two, and then we'll go more surgical, why? Why was that where you went? Why was that the thing that you really wanted to talk about? I think most specifically my experience in London I went there to study theater and acting and it was just such an eye-opening experience and I found a lot of myself there. I think because I was young and still learning, figuring out who I am, but being in a totally diverse, culturally different, I'm on my own, my parents weren't there, I just felt it was a very mature experience that has transformed me as an artist today. So. so around then what, cause like, all right, I want to, I want to experience this, uh, mm. uh, vicariously through you. Mm. I want to live your change as it were. Ooh. So take, take me to where, like, when did this happen? Take me, take me to the time and place in your life. Like, where were you right before this, this experience? So gosh, 2012, okay. I was finishing up or going into my second semester of my junior year at USC. And I was intimidated, honestly, about the whole Hollywood entertainment factor. I knew that I was going into my, or senior year was coming up. I was going to be preparing for graduating and what that life will be. So I think I was, maybe this was going to be my last big experience to hold on to 
youth and right. being in college and just all of that and yeah. being free and allowing that to be. So that was the most exciting factor for me of just getting out and seeing something new I never have. And then, uh, like I said, I think being nervous about the industry, learning a difference, like cultural factor of the industry. So it's like getting out of America and seeing that there really is a whole nother world to theater. And right. I, that's where I grew up. Uh, I think we, I don't know, maybe can relate on just the joy that live theater brings, at least especially for me as an artist. And man, London was just like, there's theater everywhere. And they're right. just so supportive of the arts. And I guess yeah. it, yeah, it really was just an exciting experience. Where are you originally from? I'm from San Francisco. Oh, okay. Well, Me too. Yeah, where? Well, um, I should say the Bay Area. Right. South. Same. Okay. So I'm originally from Hayward. Oh, okay. Um, well, technically, I'm originally, originally from uh, East Menlo Park, then Hayward. Then I went to school in San Francisco. Oh, cool. Um, and then that was where I was until I moved here. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm like San Mateo County. Okay. Yeah, kind yeah. of in between like Palo Alto and... So like, like, like Redwood City-ish? Yes, of? yeah. Okay. And like the, I was born in the Mills Peninsula Hospital. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. Um, Redwood City Kaiser over hey. here, baby. Hey, Redwood Ooh. City. It's, it's, yeah. kind of, it's very nice. It is very nice. It's it's especially nowadays. The downtown uh, area, mm-hmm. movie theater. Dang. It's happening. Um, <laughs> so was London your first time out of the country? No, actually it wasn't. I When I graduated high school, oh, I had to do some serious begging from my mom. I wanted to go to Greece, actually, and Italy. It was this trip with one of the teachers from my high school. He had planned it. It was like a summer thing. And it honestly was just the first, actually, that was the, one of the first times I had been to where my ancestors are from. I'm Greek. So okay. it was, I think, more for me being able to get in touch with my roots and like where all my family's from. Yeah. That was my big first trip abroad. And then ever since that, I was like, Oh my God, I have to keep traveling. Yeah. So, but then it was like, Oh, I'm starting college and I got to focus. So for me to like create that time, which wasn't easy. I had a counselor at USC telling me like, she was laughing in my face. That's not going to happen. You think, Oh yeah, you're going to pull a double. Cause I ended up studying film production and business. So I pulled oh, like geez. a double minor. I know I, I don't even know what I was thinking. I survived <laughs> somehow, but I was doing, I was averaging 21 units a semester when some kids were averaging like 12 to 14 and I'd have to like ask for extra units in my semester so that I could like graduate on time. Yeah. And then st- Still getting into the abroad program, like I did a major, you know, F you to my counselor because I was like, you told me I couldn't do it and I still did it and I'm glad I made the time because I got to travel again right before, like especially when you graduate as an entertainer, you kind of have to, you have to start right away. So there's not really a lot of time (laughs) to travel for you. Um, So so in terms of, I guess you, for you. Uh, this is going to be a weirdly for phrased me. question. For me. Um, but I imagine, so you said going to, to Greece was more of like kind of getting to your roots, whereas like London was more uh, developmental in terms of your view of your future path and things yes. of that sort. Mm-hmm. Um, how were those two experiences different for you? Like they're they're hitting mm-hmm. different uh, aspects of you as a person. One mm-hmm. is more personal and the other one is more professional. Oh, um, yeah. So like, in terms of diving into those experiences, hmm. um, how do you feel they were different and how do you feel they've both influenced you up to now? Hmm. Well, the biggest difference was 
not having a chaperone and somebody to check in with and really being on your own. Uh, When I went after high school, like I said, I was with a teacher and it was planned, I guess. It was super planned. It was like you have a, you know, a schedule and we're going just to these cities and that, I mean, although it was fantastic and safe and I'm sure for the reasons it needed to be, my London experience was just so much more free and I got to decide when I wanted to travel. And, uh, the people I met, I I mean, I, one of my really, really good friends, we're still very close today. She was my flatmate and she's from New York Mm -hmm. and we lived on two different sides of America our whole lives. And then we met in another country and just the way we bonded. And it was like really only the two of us that would travel and we'd take these little weekend trips and we went to Ireland one weekend. Like you can't, and we didn't really, you can't plan that. It just kind of happened. And that for me was the most exhilarating part of being there for like, so for example, that Greece, Italy trip was three weeks. Studying abroad was four or five months. So, there's more time to breathe yeah. and really grow Much in that more space. Much more immersive. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, Lex, have you have you traveled abroad before? Yeah, I've been not not in a very long time. Um, we're talking like the better part of ten years. I was also in England. I did a program where I was staying at Oxford for a little while. <gasps> I made it to Oxford. Yeah, it's beautiful it's there. It's beautiful. The little town is gorgeous. Um, but we got to we got to travel around a little bit. But because it was it was a study program, uh, but not uh, I wasn't that free at the time. Mm. It was long enough ago where it was still a little bit more structured, a little bit more planned, a little bit more chaperoned. Mm-hmm. But uh, I had an incredible time, and I really want to go back. The the coolest kind of out like off to the side thing that we did was we went to Stonehenge which is uh, just a weird nuts thing to stand next to do you yeah. are, are you are you familiar Tari with the the Stonehenge with the rocks and everybody's oh. like and everybody's like how the rocks get here and and the dude whose job it is to inform you is like I don't know. I was going to say, do they ever have an explanation? It's like, okay, well, what are the rocks for? And the guy whose job it is to tell you stuff is like, I don't know. You you familiar Uh, with those? I... uh, No. Is is Stonehenge just a big, giant door hinge made of stone? Maybe. We uh, we don't know. It It could be. Guys, what is... Maybe that's what doors look like uh, a millennia ago. Ooh. There we go. Or it's like, it's a Stargate. I feel like I feel like that's like about as reason given the shape, I feel like that's as reasonable a guess as anything, <laughs> is they had Stargate technology like a millennia ago. Right. And that just like we don't know how they built the pyramids, pyramids are wet like impressive. Yeah. Not as impressive as star- well, yeah, slaves. So slaves probably <laughs> built the Stargate too. Probably. Uh <laughs> but in terms of in terms of the engineering aspect, I feel like even though pyramids are very impressive, not quite as impressive as a Stargate. Yeah. But we don't even know how they built the pyramids. So they could have stargated themselves around all the time. That's true. Anyway, so you're familiar. Um, yes, I'm very familiar with Stonehenge. <laughs> I heard it's quite a thing to get there. Like It's the, a bit it's way out there. Yeah. It's uh it's vehicle multiple vehicles and yeah. a lot of walking. Yeah. It's way, way, way out there. I'm I'm a little surprised that they even found it. Yeah. That is what I think about, yeah, is who even just came across it? When was, like, the actual discovery Somebody of was on a really long hike. Or got lost? <laughs> or a kid, a kid ran away from home and, like, ran out into this field and looked at it and said to himself, you know, if I tell somebody this exists, 
and try to market it somehow, I could probably make enough money to emancipate myself. So I'm going back to town to cash in on the weird space rocks. And now that man is Bill Gates. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it makes sense. It is a Stargate. Yup. It sounds like you should be the guy there leading the tour and explaining (laughs) to people what it is. And I'm Bill Gates. Uh, guys, you 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 heard it here first. He's finally revealed himself. If they they the reason they don't let you get close to Stonehenge is if you rub off a little bit of the the dust and the dirt. Uh, there's a Microsoft. There's like a Windows logo. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and it'll start making the sounds. <laughs> <laughs> but like all of them, from the very first Windows system to now all the current booting up sounds yes oh no and like when Dude. when you turn it on it does the aol like the handshake noise the super high-pitched Ooh. whirring thing yeah, yeah yeah and then the aol guy the little running orange abstract looking person yeah just like phew, flies from one gate to the other and if you want to use the stargate you can't let him touch you or you die right yeah yeah, yeah. it's like I one mean, of those one hit it's like a tr- it's like in a video it's like in god of war like the spiky things hit you and you're dead in one hit right of course yeah yeah um, but it's the AOL because yeah, you gotta have you gotta have traps. Just not just anyone can use them. Stargates like Mm-mm. you gotta make sure there are defenses. Right. The know? problem with the kid finding it is like cut to the present. It's all just heavily branded. I mean, it's like a it's like a it's like NASCAR. Like there's just logos all over this fucking thing. But right. They, they cover it with a very light layer of of like dirt mm-hmm. to mm. to hide it. That's why you can't touch Stonehenge. Right. It's like a bullshit capitalist conspiracy. Just like every. Ooh, damn. Damn, we're blowing this wide open. Ah, oh, jeez. And this is why you should travel abroad to, 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 to help confirm these conspiracies with us, guys. Oh, jeez. Don't, don't be so insulated. Uh, but, okay, but anyway, going way, way, way back. Way back. Um, so, yes, I, I traveled to London uh, many many years ago and then uh, most of my travels outside of the country have been on this side of the globe i mean i've been to you know like canada and mexico and i've been to you know the bahamas and surrounding islands a whole bunch um there was another th- oh and i guess brazil counts that's but, cool but i was well i was born there so it's right. not like i travel i traveled back and forth between there and the states but i have no memory of it and by the time i was two years old i was here full time and i haven't been back yeah so it's a stretch. I guess you could count it. I but mean, yeah, I think all, the only thing you need to do to remember it is to go into a sensory deprivation tank and really like, yeah, like dive after, into like, your, yeah, like take some mushrooms and just go lay in the tank. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 And then it's I've like, never, so wait, have you ever done one of those? No. Have you ever done one of those? Done one of what? The sensory deprivation tanks. No. Oh, we should no. do that. It sounds How much like it cost? I, I don't like know. We can find out. I feel like it's probably like 60 bucks or something for like an hour. Maybe? Probably something like that. We should go do that. Can we? And then we'll talk about it. On we'll actually this show. We'll actually podcast from inside the sensory <laughs> yes. deprivation. Tank. I don't know. Too many. Too many acoustics. They're like, well, it's dark. Yep. I see stuff. Mm-hmm. My body certainly feels weightless. It's very nice. Yeah. I don't know that I'm experiencing the maximum effect because I'm describing it all to you. But these are the sacrifices we make. <laughs> <laughs> And all, the, and all they hear from Lex's tank is, ah! he's just going for a nightmare. <laughs> well, because because once my I can never let my mind settle because once it does, all I can see is uh, Tim Curry from Legend, 
uh-huh. where he's just he's Satan and he's got the horns and he's just he's laughing at me and he keeps coming closer. Right. Which is why I have to constantly bombard myself with like media and information is so my brain doesn't go to Tim Curry and legend immediately. Right. It's like the it's it follows of dream of nightmares oh. where like you get you just got to you, you got to keep him at bay. Like yeah. He's always there. Tim follows as long as. And you know how like and it follows it can change its face all the time, right? It can just change the way it looks. So it's always a different Tim Curry character. Right. So like uh at one point it's it's him in legend, then you like run away and you like duck around a corner and you look back and then it's like Frankenfurter coming at you yeah. or like Long yeah, John yeah. Silver or like at one point you see him and it's just like Tim Curry in a suit and you're like who are you supposed to be and he's like I'm, I'm my character from Charlie's Angels. <laughs> And also from uh, from Home Alone too. Did you see Home Alone too? It was so good, and I was in it. I met Donald Trump. He's bad. <laughs> These are terrible Tim Curry movies. <laughs> These are really bad. Um, yeah, that's not for you to judge. <laughs> Send it to Tim Curry. He'll tell you it's good. He's like, it's how I hear it in my head. Um, no, okay, that one was bad. Um, so, so hi, Mary Rachel, you're still here. <laughs> Um, um, but yes, yeah, so so I guess you you alluded to wanting to go to London specifically because you were drawn to theater. Yes, and you said, uh, if I understood correctly, that you were uh, not just experiencing theater, but you were studying theater as well. Mm-hmm. Um, where were you studying? So yeah, I was in a theater conservatory program called the British American Drama Academy. It was BADA for short. There's another program I think called RADA. There's like RADA and BADA, but this one was specifically taught by British professors. What does the but R stand for? for? The RADA. Royal? Rom- okay. The Royal Academy? I don't know. I was going to take... go with Romanian. Really oh, okay. good. <laughs> In London, yeah, that would make sense. Really, um, really good. Really good. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Really quite British. No, it was honestly very awesome because I also grew up studying Shakespeare and loving like you were kind of talking about poetry and spoken form and uh, I think that just in general it's a totally different way that they teach it I guess like the the British approach to theater and acting I mean I learned a lot you take some you leave some we learned high comedy as well I had a professor he was so I'm saying this as politely as I can. So old. Um, <laughs> How old love, was he? I love old people, though. They're very fascinating and just have so much history. And they hold on to tradition like no other. I picture you poking an old person with Norman. a stick going, How Norman. are you alive? Yes. Oh. He, he would tell women that you must always enter with your best asset, which is your Face? breasts. No, you would think that. But yeah. no, he's your totally. Personality. Your personality breasts wow. and lead with every space you go into with that but just with it's, your like chest jutting way out? yes that yes. seems unna- an unnatural like we wore corsets, way to right we worked with fans and he said you oh, communicate wow. with the fan and oh it was fun we got to smack people it's so like very like upper crust victorian yes st- like very like uh what's the it's like the um physical slapstick like high comedy theater. I know it. Yes, I know what you're referring to. With like Oscar Wilde. Yes, yes, plays. Yes, 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 exactly. Like the, yeah, <laughs> right, 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 right. Just ridiculousness. Uh, but so fun. I'll never forget one time in class. He got. He would get so upset if like it wasn't his way that you were doing it. And I swear to God, he got so upset he moved his head back and he hit the wall and there was a clock above him that fell hit him on the head and exactly your faces right now were the mix of the room because it was like we all wanted to laugh 
but also we felt terrible because he was an older gentleman that just got smacked in the head by a giant clock. Now, and, my immediate question would be, how often do you think that happens? And how many of his quirks could it potentially explain? My question... I don't think it's ever happened. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I my don't question know. was, after it happened, were there like cuckoos flying around his head? Did you see the cartoon <laughs> like, birds they, on yeah, his yeah, behalf? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> just, she's like, they were stars, idiots. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like an instant everyone oh my god are you okay and he kind of worked his way out of it but it was i'll just never forget the socks he was wearing and the suspenders and he's like it's fine let's get back to it and he was just like in it and we're like okay like, uh, so what do you so much fun what do you because i i struggle in this moment because I haven't finished all of my coffee to put it into words concisely. But do what do you find to be uh, the difference between the way the British approach mm. instructing theater and the mm. way Americans approach instructing theater? Ooh, okay, yeah, I would definitely say the British are very tactile and. Right. He- heavy on like movement yeah. and really using the body as the instrument and that there is a lot more you can communicate with your physicality and voice was very important. Like I felt like they really were big on voice and movement. Mm-hmm. Not to say that that's not how it is here, but... Not not every discipline, right? Because here, in a, and I know... It's more of a classical approach to it. They right. hold, and hold on to. Right, and you're, I feel like you're, this, this is not definitely the most eloquent way to put it but you're definitely closer i i think to like the quote-unquote purest form of the, the thing whereas in america now uh some of the most popular schools of acting they're all ultimately derived from stanislavski so mm-hmm. you're essentially getting different branches that come off of that and different instructors that sort of picked and chose mm-hmm. from that so like you talk about movement right i remember this was also years ago i did uh, a couple of months uh, intensive program at the Stella Adler studio in New York and Adler, mm-hmm. I found there was a lot of emphasis placed on voice and movement mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. But then you go over to like, I've, I've done a lot of Meisner and not so, not much, so much, but yeah. all ultimately people who are picking and choosing from the same source material. Yeah. Well, and then I find in, in the American way of teaching theater too, it is also, I feel like they encourage a lot of the individual trust like there's more of a support in allowing the talent to somewhat discover on their own what is justified for the movement in the space but I had found that they were very I don't know if it's because like again they held on to tradition and the way the plays normally are blocked or directed but I had found a lot of the professors would teach and block things as if it had to be that way versus Mm more American teachers here, there's more of a improvisation and flexibility to that, I guess I've noticed. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But again, it's, it's all in the professor. I mean, right. yeah. I mean, I'm wondering, and this is, forgive me if this is going to sound real dumb, <laughs> um, but like, I'm wondering if it's because like, you know, Shakespeare came from um, Britain. I don't know why my brain is. I don't wonder. I'm mean, like, I wonder if it's from it's, that from that Stratford on Avon, my Stratford. guy. Yeah. I mean, I, yes. I'm wondering if it's <laughs> if it's because like their big claim to fame um, is that um, like 
playwrights like Shakespeare came from there and that like their that his his words and the way that he wrote it are are held so high that to mm-hmm. deviate from it would um feel like you are disgracing the genius that is Shakespeare right. yeah. of that sort. Well, I guess to piggyback on what you're saying and and Mary Rachel you used the word tradition a minute ago. I feel like maybe that's the the most concise way to get to the heart of what I was trying to express is mm-hmm. that that you're more directly connected to a tradition that goes back hundreds of years whereas in America and this is this is very much an American thing uh, you're dealing with not not copies certainly, but you're dealing with sort of like the next. It's like the iteration down and the iteration down and the iteration down. So your tradition becomes a little bit splintered at a certain mm-hmm. point, and you can trace it all back. Like you know, obviously, like the a couple of the names I mentioned, Adler, Meisner. You can trace them back to the group theater, mm-hmm. and you can trace that back to the teachings of Stanislavski. But you're still you're you're fracturing your not your legacy, your tradition at a certain point. So mm-hmm. it's all segmented in a way that maybe the theatrical tradition in England is uh, to a far lesser degree. Mm. Right. Yeah. And I, and yeah, I don't know. I find that I think because there's so much theater happening in London and it is so supported, I, I was actually, there were a lot of adapted plays and versions of some Shakespeare plays that, I mean, were modernized and I thought wow I, I would be I would thought I would never see something like that especially in London but they really are in support of those tiny black box theaters ones that are right above a pub and like you drink you go up and it's like maybe 20 people in a room and it's super intense and I don't know it's, just, it's so I guess at the same time there is a big part of the theater world in London that is breaking through some of those traditional I guess classical forms of the way that they do theater yeah I'm wondering if it's also a result of audience demand like i in my mind i imagine if like in specifically like if you go if you're in london and you go to a play you're expecting it to be a specific thing you're expecting it to be carried out in a a very specific way other uh whereas like here i feel like there's a a, a really big boredom factor that like (laughs) if if you if you're not doing something that's new and exciting then you run the risk of losing your audience. And so it is about like trying to pull out those, those genuine and, and individualized pieces of a performance hmm. that way that you can ca- keep your audience uh, captivated. Yeah. Cause those are the little things that people pick up on. And so it, it can mean so many different things to so many different people. Whereas like when you're doing the traditional way um, you are specifically going to see it um as it was quote unquote originally intended and so like your your emphasis or the thing that you're really looking for is the essence of the play and not the performance itself Hmm. yeah that's very well said yes (laughs) (laughs) i mean i mean yeah i i where my brain went just considering Shakespeare right and and you talk about like just maintaining the integrity of the thing then my brain goes off in the direction and this is tangentially related about how where Shakespeare is concerned yeah ultimately if you do not preserve the the backbone of that text you're doing yourself a disservice because mm-hmm. it's it's so highly regarded for a reason what I do really love about Shakespeare um, and holding on to that tradition you get so many variations on that backbone right and like for Shakespeare every time I see a Shakespeare adaptation it's never about what's on the page because what's on the page if 
if they're doing what I would argue is is their job here, it's going to be the same. You know, if you watch Hamlet, if you watch five different versions of Hamlet, you might get slightly different edits, Mm -hmm. but it should still be the same text from Hamlet. But what makes them all unique, what gives them all their own identity, their own life, is everything that's not on the page that they use to fill in that additional space. But you Mm -hmm. still have to, and I think this does speak a bit to what you were saying, you still have to honor that backbone, that legacy, that tradition, and keep it in place Mm -hmm. for everything to pivot off of. Yes. And I think that that's why theater is still so successful in London and carries on through that, because I think a lot of them do still hold on to those traditions. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to know, um, you, you brought up like a couple experiences in your, in your classes and watching your, your poor, uh, decrepit professor oh, sustain Norman. clock yes. injuries. Gosh. <laughs> and then he just pushes through and he's like in his eighties. I was like, yes, for the love of theater. Like seriously, right. he's bleeding and he carries on. Was he, was he like actually bleeding bit, from the head? Not like this gushing or anything, guy. but he, what, he did have like a tick. Like this, there was this, a, this, just all just torrents of blood oh down his God. face and he's just <laughs> continuing to provide it to lead with your best. Ass, he's like wiping blood out of his eyes. <laughs> yes. with your best asset. I have to. I can't see. I have to take your word for it. Just yes. do it. Um, but so I want to. I want to know more about um, specific, like big, uh, big experiences. Whether they were in a class or something you saw, or a place you, you mentioned going to Ireland, maybe a place you went, or uh, a show you saw. Just moments that made you feel like your your brain was just being exploded outwards okay well you said it actually it was when i went to ireland yeah i have to say i literally i and i am a big nature lover i find myself uh an environmentalist too at heart and i do try to give back in the ways that i can with recycling and saving trees and you should see the pile of random scratch paper that i have it's it's bigger than the nor- the new paper that I have because I'm trying to save the trees. But it's bigger than the, it's new bigger paper than the real new paper that I should be using. <laughs> like, Jesus is getting kind of ridiculous. I'm hoarding paper. Um, but, but you know, I, when, when civilization collapses hey, and all our technology is useless, people yes, are going to need to come to you they so are they come can to write me for the paper. Ooh, they will need the paper. I will have true. it all. Uh, but yeah, no, it was everything that I feel like anybody who hasn't been to Ireland... And the stereotypes of how green and magnificent the land is and just the nature surrounding, it lived up to its reputation. I went to Cork, Ireland, which is more of the countryside. And it was also in the true parts of where Gaelic still exists. So like it was very, it was like out of a book. Like you go to the straight countryside of Ireland, it you're going to cry. So basically, I think we got off the bus and I literally stepped outside and it it was, like I said, everything I had envisioned and like, but more. And I straight up cried. My friend was with me and she's like, are you okay? I was like, no, these are tears of joy, I promise. But this is just like... I, I never felt so much also I think it was just the energy too I think because there's just so much history yeah. in a lot of these places of the world not to say that there's not history here in America but like when you think of just the thousands and thousands of years there's definitely more history there other is places. a lot that it wasn't even really acknowledged because of how we came over to America and took over but she's um, uh, yeah. we could that could be a whole nother podcast um but yeah it it was magnificent. We went to the Blarney castle and I felt just like a kid again. Like, I think for me, I I was able to dive into the magic and they said that 
fairies used to like fly around in the gardens and they're, they do, they did believe in these little leprechauns and just the imagination that these people had there was just so vibrant and free. And I found myself just completely embraced in this magic. Like it really was magic. See, I've never been to Ireland myself and I feel like my conception of Ireland is very much like an Americanized, this is the Ireland fantasy I've been sold because in my head, uh, it's all beautiful green mm-hmm. and cliff sides and the ocean. Yes. And you could always see both green and the ocean from anywhere you stand, anywhere you look in every direction. You can somehow always yeah. see green and the ocean and the sun never sets mm-hmm. and there's always rainbows. Mm-hmm. Yep, but I, that's exactly, you nailed it. Yep. There yeah. are parts of Ireland that are not like that, surprisingly. Like you go to the main city, Dublin. I had a lot of friends that went there expecting that. And they were disappointed because it was very city-like and somewhat kind of like London. And oh, see, I the, specifically picked the countryside. The, uh, like, the Americanized fantasy version of Dublin that I've been sold is the entire <laughs> city is just one large bar. Yes. It's just a Although bar. Although it, it's very, very fun. It's just <laughs> one large, there's not, there's no sky. It's not open air. You just, welcome to Dublin. And they shut the door behind right. you. Yeah, and you're yeah. just in this giant pub that goes on for miles. Yeah. I will say that like when I went there, they party real hard. Oh, yes. Um, and so like I, I had gotten up at 6 a.m. to go to a, like a, to go to the Cliffs of Moher. And, and as I was walking to the, the tour bus, People were just walking home from the bar. Um, People were just like stumbling home. The sun was just about to come up. I was like, it is a Thursday, guys. (laughs) Why? Um, But yeah, that's some classic Dublin for you, though. And just the generosity of the people. I mean, everyone was just so kind. And I I swear they could pick up, too. My friend and I were definitely lost. I think we were trying to find our hostel. And it's just the natural giving of the like most people here I feel would brush right by you not give two shits about you but they this man purposely like stopped us and was like you guys look lost and we're like how did you know and he walked us all the way to our hostel he couldn't have just given us directions this guy just interrupts his day to help me and my friend get to our hostel like you just don't you don't find people like that so what you're saying is all of the nice people are in Ireland yes in that's, the countryside. That's where they're hiding. Running in the hills, being free, and living like yeah, kids. Yeah, just why. sliding down them rainbows into the ocean. <laughs> they're so happy. They're yeah. always drunk sliding down rainbows. Yep. I would be nice too. Yep, yep. Oh, so you got to make it to Ireland. It's, I seriously. would love to. And the food. Oh, the food. It's so good. It is very tasty. Oh. I even even when I was in uh, when I was in England, England gets a bad rap for having very you bad know, food, it, and I did not really so find that to be the case. So many people said that to me. They're like, "Oh, you lived in London, like, uh, but the food was crap." I was like, "No, really actually, and it's so diverse. Like, you can get anything." I'm like, right. "What do you mean?" It's I like never at, had wor- a at worst, food. like the worst that I encountered is if you ordered something super super basic, it might be a little bit bland. Yeah. Which is on you for ordering something super, super basic. <laughs> yeah. Just put some ketchup on the fucker. Yeah. No, I, I enjoyed the food. That's the solution. Bit. Right. But like, no, I, I, yeah, I definitely did not find that to be the case that they they have particularly bad food. Yeah. Um, you were talking about having stayed in a hostel. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about, so do you, do you, 
do you travel, would you say, like, often, intermediate? Like, how often would you say that you go and, and travel? I try to plan at least two trips a year. Two trips a year. That's okay. a goal, whether it's, like, local, yeah. you know, where I'm driving somewhere close, or I try to go somewhere tropical or across the seas somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, I'm about the same where I try to do one domestic, one interna- yes. international. Yep. Um, so I, I feel like we this discussion we're talking about... Um, kind of the the joys of going abroad and traveling and i know that like it's a luxury that like not everyone can can Mm -hmm. like do and afford and things like that so i I did want to take a little bit of time to talk about like what are the what are what are some good strategies to try to keep it like low cost or things to like really enable the people listening to go out and explore the world without you know being being rich folk yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So like, and I have I have a, a, a usual model where essentially like I, I buy a flight um, at least nine months out. Mm-hmm. I um, I save That's a certain smart. amount leading up to that. So like, let's say mm-hmm. seventy five a month, and mm-hmm. then that leaves me with like um, almost a thousand to kind of like play around with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's usually my general model. Do you have kind of a general strategy that you use for traveling, or do you, are you more of like fly by the seat of your pants? Hmm. That's, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I do my research. I definitely allow time to look for really good flights and, and yeah, I mean, if if you're patient with it, that's my thing too. I think not holding on to a specific plan, although planning is important, uh, just get yourself there. My biggest thing is yeah. Budget for a flight you can afford, get yourself there and back. Then make sure you're staying somewhere nice, decent. And then the rest, I usually, I just wing. Like, I, I like to just get to the city, show up. There's going to be plenty to do. There's, yeah. I mean, just dive, dive in. Don't overthink too much. Because I have I had a couple of friends that were always worried about, like, well, what are we going to do? And all the activities. And that's really where it adds up. Right. And if, if my thing, you just go and live there, just be in the space and enjoy the food and more of the culture, you'll find yourself spending less money. Yeah. Um, and that I, sounds yeah. like you get so much more out of the experience. Like it mm-hmm. may be if you have if you have the luxury of being able to travel abroad to a certain location multiple times, mm-hmm. then yeah, I guess at a certain point you might want to check out the more touristy type things mm-hmm. just to say you did. Mm-hmm. But I feel like no, like it's such a richer experience to just like you say, like go and live and mm-hmm. just just like go sit in a pub and watch people mm-hmm. that cost a good deal less. And I feel like is a great deal more enlightening and horizon mm-hmm. expanding. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of, I know in London, there are a lot of museums that are free and a lot of the type, the activity involvement for tourists, it's open. So it, you really just get there. And I know that flight there is probably going to be the most you spend. Like right. it's really just getting there and, You'd be surprised. It's very affordable in Europe to get around and with trains. It's it's especially like not going to the big touristy cities. It's fun to hop into a town that's not as visited like Cork, Ireland. A lot of people aren't going there, but a lot of people will go to Dublin. So. Right. And that's and that's actually what it's like to be there, right? Because if you go to the touristy stuff, even if you go to some of the more heavily populated areas where you get just big, just influx of people, that's not really, or I don't think that's a really accurate reflection of Mm-mm. what the experience of being there yep. is. Yep. And of course, things are going to be probably more expensive in those oh, for sure. well, super busy tourist areas. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, definitely create the funds, create the time for it. Like you said, putting a stuff aside, yeah. whether it, whatever, take 10% of whatever's coming in every month and just stash a little for yourself because I think it's important to treat yourself and to allow your body and your mind to 
uh, just live. I mean, I think we as humans naturally explore and are mm-hmm. curious and I, f- yeah, I feel off when I haven't like gotten up and gone somewhere and checked out. Like I really right. do need to make that time for myself at least, at least once a year if I can twice. Those right. are my goals. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And I like how much it gets you out of your own kind of bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, like I feel like especially here in America, it's easy to really like, especially if you're not kind of paying attention to the news, like really be unaware of what's going on, a, going on on a global scale. Mm-hmm. Um, like I remember when I went to uh, Paris, um, it was not long after Brexit and there was a, a big refugee crisis going on. And so being there and mm-hmm. like, as I'm walking and on vacation, seeing all these people, it's just like families sleeping on the streets because they have nowhere else to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and Paris is the only place that would let them in. Um, and so like, it's one thing to hear about that, but it's another thing to like, see it with your own eyes and, mm-hmm. and, and like have to kind of confront what else is happening ar- in the world around you, mm-hmm. which I find to be invaluable. Mm-hmm. Yes. In, invaluable. I feel like what, if there's a word that's like invaluable, but like cubed. Yeah. I mean, I would go, I would go further than invaluable. I'd say it's necessary. Yeah. And that to me is like, obviously there's the enjoyment factor of traveling abroad, but I feel like just as great a factor, if not greater is it, it facilitates learning about the world by actually being in it. Mm -hmm. And you really, you have to like intellectual curiosity, especially right now is one of the most valuable assets a person can have. It's only going to become more valuable, the worse and worse and worse and worse things get. And Oh boy, does it seem like we're moving in that direction? Mm -hmm. Um, Anything and everything you can, like that's part of why too. I just wanted to talk about the experience of going somewhere else and seeing something else because that like Tari what you were saying just I feel like in America especially we're very now we're conditioned in such a way that we we do we we confine ourselves to our our little biospheres and we are used to being uh, uh catered to and we're used to the convenience and we're used mm-hmm. to not really having to look beyond that day to day and that gets us into trouble that's getting us yeah, into trouble right now I, it's getting in, in a lot of trouble too what's happening a lot as well it's easy for the american culture to personalize everything and not to say that we shouldn't be are you, acknowledging are you suggesting that maybe the american citizenry is just a touch narcissistic and maybe a little maybe a little maybe maybe just a, t- just a, a little, smidge too sensitive just oh. a smidge just okay. a little bit but on the sense of that that it it's good that we care, I feel like, and, and we drive as a nation to change, to innovate. All of that's important. But the other thing that's interesting, like you said, once you really take yourself away from the American culture and hop into all the other cultures, I don't know, there is some kind of like a a piece to it. And there is kind of a way to breathe. Where it, and, and it does make me appreciate a lot that we do have here in America. There is a lot that uh, we are able to create that might not happen in other countries, but um, I don't know. I think it, for me, especially, it was just more eye-opening to also the cultural differences and a lot of things. Like I said, I mean, one culture may do something one way. It's not that it's in a malicious manner. It's just that's just that's how they are. Um, so for me, I feel like I, it, I've been able to translate that here when I come back to America. Of like, it's we're really diverse. We really do have a lot happening here, and it's sometimes overwhelming how mixed up it is. Yeah. But I think having lived in an, in a couple other countries, 
I don't know, it allows it to be more tangible and a little easier to manage, I think. And not, like I said, take it so, I don't know, personally, like, I don't, yeah. Well, and then too, it's like you you almost can't stay fully confined. It's like, uh, it's like the bubble starts to get pierced by necessity. Mm-hmm. You can't pretend there isn't the rest of the world yes. when the rest of the world is immediately in front of you. Well, and the rest of the world is constantly coming here too. So it's like, how then do we embrace and open up to those cultures and traditions? And yes, they're coming here and some of us hold on to, well, then it should be our way. But it's like, no, I mean, forever we're, I mean, every country is opened and shifting. And um, I think that's also too for Greece. Like we got slammed too. I mean, we've been dealing with all the refugees mm-hmm. and I mean, it was, I had some family that had to move because, I mean, these wealthy families were being held under hostage. And it's just like in parts that I remember being just beautiful and always, um, I don't know, just like a giving space in Greece, like was then becoming like a chaotic, like disruptive. And there were riots and people getting hurt. It was like, what is happening? But it's happening everywhere. So it is happening everywhere. And we can relate with all cultures, at least I I feel like we should. <laughs> and it's in the end, we're all humans. We're mm-hmm. all going through the same yeah, stuff. Absolutely. Um, so we are uh, bounding towards the end of our time together. Wah, um, wah, wah. So I wanted to take a little bit of time to talk about you. And, and I hear you that you have lots of hyphens. So many hyphens. You do. Uh-huh. So many. It's a good thing you have all of that paper. Because no, we're going to yes. need it to, I, to make space for all of the hyphens. Right. Oh my gosh. And all my to-do lists that keep on adding. <laughs> um, so uh, what are some projects that you're working on right now? What, what, what kind of plugs you got? Oh gosh. Okay. So I've got a feature film right now that I've been pushing. We're in the finance phase. I say that delicately because it <laughs> seems like a forever phase right now. But we've got a polished, really fantastic script that we think is speaking of culturally going to impact, I think everyone across the world. And it's a beautiful piece that I think we need right now. We need a lot of uplifting and powering pieces and uh, it's a female protagonist, diverse piece. So yeah, we're hoping that gets picked up. And then I've got a TV series right now, break time. We're in post-production. We're close to picture sound locking that. So Hopefully we're going to release it in July at my showcase coming up. And then I got to just did another horror. We did a horror short also potentially thinking of pitching it as a feature. So right now I'm kind of uh, my film production company, Kalisti Zoe Productions. That's Greek for a beautiful life. Um, We're trying to get to the point where we're a production house churning content. So we're packaging and selling to networks Mm -hmm. and with hopes of really supporting a lot of my writer buddies. And that's why, I mean, you go into a meeting now expecting, Oh, I'm going to pitch this one thing, but they might not even be interested in that. And it's happened to me where they're like, well, what else do you got? And Oh, good thing. I kind of have some, you know, things on the back burner and I'm able to also pitch some of my other friends stuff. And as a producer, I'm hoping I can create more opportunities for the independent artists. That's awesome. And uh, old Hollywood has been cracked finally, so it is our time. Well, so so <laughs> speaking time. of creating opportunities for up-and-coming artists, um, r- real quick, just let people know about the showcases that you put on. Oh, yes. So it's called the Independent Cinema Showcase, ICS for short. And we're really all about featuring, like I said, supporting, promoting the independent artist. And it's all short-form content right now. We're hoping, we're still building. It's now becoming more than I 
first thought it was going to be. Uh, it started just a screening short content with some of my friends. I was renting a theater for like four hours, which is like your arm and your leg and playing like 15 minute shorts. And I was like, what am I got to like build, build this up and bring more people on. And then people by word of mouth were asking, when's the next one? And I hadn't thought about that many before. So I was like, well, I guess we'll keep doing it. And now it's a seasonal showcase. So we're four times a year. We just had our spring one in April. And uh, the summer one is July 29th. We've got submissions open on Film Freeway. You can find us. I think it's www.filmfreeway/ics. And um, really, this is my giving back to the arts part of the company. I'm trying to uh, really sponsor that independent spirit and I've been able to find distribution now for artists so they can start to monetize off of the short form content. And now everything's digital. I mean, I'm sure we could talk about how that's been shifting, but now everything is tangible on the phone, online. Everybody's watching things on their laptops. So there was this um, amazing guy, Sal, in New Jersey. He's an independent filmmaker himself, too, wanted to give back to other artists. He's created, it's like a Netflix online streaming platform, but it's specifically for award-winning independent content. And it's a way for people to start making some money. And it's a little bit here and there, but it adds up. And I know for all of us that put our heart, soul, sweat and tears and blood sometimes into these projects, Mm -hmm. it's nice to get a little bit back um, and start to break even. And uh, yeah, so we've got two more coming up this year and uh we also had a lot of submissions from international people we had an italian filmmaker uh won an award at our last one and um, some chinese filmmakers and that's really what's exciting too is to see like cinematic art like through different cultures and how they you know create the visual art uh i find that we (laughs) the american way can be a lot in your face and it's so action-based and cgi and effects which is very powerful it can be very and, fun, and but it parts, can also be pretty narrow it is, if that's right. all there is it's easy it to limiting. like churn out quantity versus quality yes. but then you you know see some of these uh, chinese films that are not much is said and there's a lot of silence but it's just like the just it's beautiful it's like eye catching and yeah so i'm hoping to continue to build a community of uh, supporters in the independent arts so as if I didn't already feel enough like an underachiever. While you're doing all of this, you also find time somehow to act as well. That's true. Yes. So I know uh, we've talked a little bit. You've got uh, at least at least one thing coming up, right? I, didn't you mention uh, a show at the Fringe Festival coming up that you're a part of? Oh, yes. Yes. I'm in a musical. <laughs> that's uh, I, lo- I love when I can get back into the musical theater world because uh, that's where I started. That's where I grew up. And it's hard to find good theater out here, especially... It takes the team. It's a, It really is a creative collaboration, especially in the world of theater. And um, <clears throat> we've got three shows, June 3rd, June 22nd, and the 24th. And it's actually all about the history of New York. It's a musical comedy. The music's fantastic. What is it called? Nice. Uh, New York in Chains. New York in Chains. New York in Chains. Okay. Okay, yeah. well, if you're going to be in the LA area, go check that out. Yes. Yeah. Do they get tickets directly through their Fringe Festival yes. site? Yes. Yeah, you okay. can find us at the Hollywood Fringe site. Nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to wrap this up. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, guys. Thank you for joining us here on uh, Missing Out. Thank you, Mary Rachel. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm still bleeding. Yeah. 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 Rachel.
Uh, yes. Uh, we're the uh, on a journey. Mary Rachel. Gonna do this, Mary Rachel. Lex, where can they find you? <laughs> I am all over social media at the Lex Michael. I also uh, was just on an episode of the Red Room Horror Podcast with our good friend Lucretia Lyon. We did a long show where we talked about all manner of things. A little bit of news, a little bit of like real personal scary stories. I talk about wandering around an abandoned asylum in New Jersey a few years ago. Check that out. Uh, was a lot of fun. Uh, big kiss. Mwah. Aww, Aww. Nice. And you can find me at Tari J. That's T-A-U-R-I-J-A-Y. You can also find me on the Ride or Dice podcast, which is a actual play podcast using the Savage World system. I play a tentacle monster. It's fun. Um, oh, that's right. Is it your, your character's name is Henta, right? Yes. Yeah, I listen to your show, bitch. Thank you. Uh, uh, Henta, right? And he looks like Hive from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes. Uh but every time you say henta, especially because of the way his head looks, I hear hente, hentai, because uh-huh. he's got the tentacles. Um, I don't see the connection. So he could be real big in that scene. I, I'm not sure. I'm not he sure. He could do I that sweet, sweet tentacle pornography. I'm not sure. I, you see the credit I sequence on Spectre? Be like that. <laughs> I don't think uh, I don't think uh, uh, tentacle pornography exists in, in our universe. Uh, I don't think it's it a totally thing. does. It was lost to time. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In I mean, my horror or, short, it's there. Yeah, <laughs> it's, <so tentacles. laughs> it's there. It's the new tentacle porn is going to be the next <laughs> thing. It's going to be the next cinematic universe, right? Yes. Right, and I don't mean tentacle por- like the the fad the cinematic universe fad. Eventually, yes. that'll pass, and the next thing is tentacle porn. Ooh, Ooh. I'm into it. Hopefully it gets like so normalized that everyone's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the tentacle porn. Well, what's going to happen is Disney's going to buy it. Right, of course. And then we're going to see tentacle porn toys and There's going to be tentacle Ooh. dildos Backpacks. for sure. That'd yeah. be so cool. Yeah. yeah. Multicolored. I guarantee if we looked hard enough, we could find a tentacle dildo today. I could probably oh, get sure. you a tentacle dildo by, by 5 o'clock this afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Amazon is just like throwing them out. Hey. They're like, yo, 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 who wants some tentacle dildos? Um... Tinted does. No. Um, oh, there you go. <laughs> all right. Um, once again, guys, thank you for joining us on Missing Out. Um, make sure to like, subscribe, uh, leave us some sweet, sweet comments uh, so that we can read them here on the show. Um, five stars to get us higher in those ratings so people find us. Also, tell your friends because the most powerful form of marketing is word of mouth uh so make sure that you tell people you love us and tell us that you love us at missing outcast m-i-s-s-i-n-g o-u-t-c-a-s-t uh until next week take care keep on traveling keep hey. on touching them tentacles Ooh, yeah. take your tentacle dildo to oh, ireland yeah. let them let them wrap it around use it while you cry uh-huh. at the beauty you're like it's so Great, let's let's be done now. No, <laughs> come on, we can keep going. You know, it'll be like that movie Possession that we talked about that one time. You just get your the lies. You get your you get your Sam Neils. You get you get all the stuff. Strip, you pull your, on your pink you socks your, and grab your tentacle dildos. We're going to the Possession Town. Hell yeah! We're all gonna go have head miscarriages in the train tunnel. But in but in Ireland. Okay, bye, everybody. Bye. Cool. 
All right, I just got to make sure to get real close. Anytime I'm talking, I have to get real close like this. That and sounds really that, cool. That way you guys can hear me. Hey, how are you guys doing? Why are you talking doing Buffalo well? Bill? You're doing the Buffalo Bill. Like the, she a great big fat person. Yeah. Oh, yeah. see a lot of this. Can you do the entire podcast like that? I can, but Please. I choose not to. Welcome to Missing Out. It's the retrospective that's introspective. introspective. <laughs> uh, 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 uh.